everybody. Welcome to the First Pres Church Podcast. At the end of this episode, please take a moment to subscribe to this podcast channel or our YouTube channel for the latest Sunday messages. We're so glad that you're listening, and we are praying that the following message inspires you to take your next steps towards Jesus. Good morning, church. It's good to be here in the house of the Lord together, and um, and we're praying for everyone who's who's worshiping with us from afar. If you're if you're worshiping on Facebook, you're okay. But what we've heard is that our server is down, and uh, in fact, a lot of churches are experiencing that this morning. So I just kind of want to pray and and encourage uh, that the church could worship today. Through there's so many churches that are trying to worship online, and a lot of them use the same group that we're using. And I think they just I don't know they crashed the system or something. But um, but I just actually, I just actually just want to pray for everybody who's worshiping. You know, if you're connected with us right now, you're with us. If you're worshiping later, that's we just want to be praying for you that you're worshiping and you can connect with the Lord this week as we walk toward Christmas. And Lord, would you just uh, pour out your Holy Spirit, God of computing systems? Would you just pour out, Lord, uh, and help everyone to connect? And mostly, Lord, we're just praying that your church can worship today. That there's nothing to hinder the souls of your children to coming into your presence and lifting up your name. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And so, as a church, we want to say Merry Christmas to each other, and we also want to say Merry Christmas to those online or watching later. So, count of three, can you just look back here and say Merry Christmas? Just crane your neck around, and count of three, we're going to say Merry Christmas. One, two, three. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Amen. Thank you. <laughs> we're getting through it, folks. We are getting through it. We're looking at uh, wonder. What if God did something in your heart that made your heart say, wow? And what if God is doing something right now and you're missing it? We want to look at Luke chapter 1, the story of, uh, of Mary when her, her soul kind of erupted in song. And so we're going to be looking at Luke chapter 1, verses 46 to 55. And I encourage you to have your Bibles open to have it in front of you. Uh, the readers of our scripture are two dear friends in this church who have been joining together in each other's homes every week to worship together. And as we open the word of the Lord, let's open our hearts in prayer. So Lord, we do pray that you would help your church worship. Open your word to us, Jesus. Open us to your word. That we can hear something new today and be drawn closer into your love. We pray it in Jesus' name. And the church said, amen. amen. Let's hear Luke chapter one. My name is Christine Weems. And I'm Carol Columbus, and we're reading from Luke 1, verses 46 to 55. And Mary said, My soul praises the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his own. He has scattered those who are proud in their innermost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hunger with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, even as he said to our fathers. Hmm. 
Amen. Amen. Wonder. Great things. I was about 10 years old when my dad took my brother and I to New York City to see the big city. And, um, and I remember getting off the plane and we were kind of driving in the car toward the city. And, you know, first you see it from far away, right? And I remember the first sort of thought in my head when I, when I saw the Statue of Liberty and I saw the, the Twin Towers, the World Trade Center, uh, the first thought in my head was, it's not so big, you know? I thought it was bigger. It just didn't look like all that much from, from that far away. But then we got there and we went out to Ellis Island and looked up. And then we climbed those stairs. We climbed the stairs, you know? And then I realized... Oh, pretty big, <laughs> pretty big. We got in a cab and went over to uh, the World Trade Center, which is, you know, a, a sad memory. It's laced with a lot of sadness now. But my brother and I, I remember this, we got out of the cab and we kind of walked right up to the building and we put our chins on the building like this and looked up. You know, the biggest building in our city is 13 stories. We grew up here in Colorado Springs. So I stick my chin on that, the edge of that building, look up. Oh, that's pretty big. That's pretty big. Magnify the Lord. To magnify something is to make it bigger in your view. There's two ways to magnify something. One is you, you know, you look at it through a good lens, like a pair of binoculars or something, makes it bigger in your view. Or you get up close to it. You get up real close to it. I love this wonder image. I'm having so much fun with this, but let's look at it, look at it again today. Look how big the tree is. I mean, the tree looks huge. The tree is like, it's like it reaches to, to space. And it isn't that it's all that big. It's that, it's that that little fella has gotten up so close to it, right? It's gotten so close to it. It's bigger in a scope. Are you having trouble worshiping the Lord? To worship is to, is to name something Worthy. Are you having trouble worshiping the Lord? Does it seem like what? I don't understand why Jesus is such a big deal. It just doesn't seem that big in my life. Are you having trouble seeing Jesus as worthy of praise? Maybe your Jesus is too small. Look through a good lens. Get up close. Wonder. Wonder is the opposite of that cynicism that can creep in and suck the joy out of, out of your life and make everything kind of dry and brittle. Cynicism, cynicism would say Christmas is a small thing. It's, it's, it's not that big of a deal. It's a much smaller thing in my scheme of life than the stuff I really care about. Christmas comes and goes. It's not that big of a thing. But wonder, wonder kind of opens your heart and says, whoa, this might be bigger than I thought it was. God might be doing something divine and cosmic and new. Christmas might be a larger thing than I actually fully understand. And maybe God is doing something bigger than me. And, and, and I would do well to enter it with a little bit of reverence and, and wonder. Almost like walking into a cathedral and just let it wash over me and wait and see. Wonder makes your heart say, wow. Well, look at Mary here. This is exactly what happens in her heart. When Mary magnifies the Lord, her own soul expands. 
See, we think sometimes that obeying God shrinks our lives, makes things smaller. No, when she sees just how big God is, just how big what God is doing in her life is, she grows in expansive hope and joy and wonder. Now, you've got to get there with this young lady, Mary. Mary is, is with child, but she's a virgin. She's not yet married. You can imagine what that was like for her. Obviously, she regularly took uh, the glances, the shaming glances from judgmental people who cynically believed that they knew uh, more of the story. She maybe sees the uncertainty in her fiancé's eye. Maybe her own family doesn't fully believe what's going on, and, and that's got to cut. And what about her future? What about her plans? What about her life? What about where she wanted to be next? All of that is getting narrowed, isn't it? When Mary, you know, when she was first visited by the angel, she answered with profound faith. If you look up the page back in verse 38, and Mary said, behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me. Let it be to me. Let it be to me according to your word. I'm yours, whatever. And the angel departed from her. That's faith. That's trust. That's, that's my life is in your hands. I'm totally submitting to you. Whatever, according to your word, let it be unto me. That is the model of faith. Still, still I think, Mary, she must have needed some encouragement along the way. You know, even our deepest convictions of faith, even our, our most profound convictions at the very core, the things that we, that we would say we believe in more than anything else, they can get shaken and they can fade day by day through the common trials and headaches and, and sufferings and start to fade away. Mary, she must have needed some, some comfort, some reassurance. And so she went to visit her relative, Elizabeth, who was also miraculously pregnant, carrying John the Baptist in her womb in her old age. You know what Elizabeth does? Elizabeth, she's got some words of encouragement for Mary. Encouragement. You know, God speaks to us through one another. God uses others to speak into your life, and God uses you to speak into other people's lives. And sometimes that little bit of encouragement, just that word of, of I'm with you, just that little bit of, of help, of, it can unlock something. So Elizabeth, she gives this encouragement to, to Mary, um, her niece or her cousin. We're not exactly sure how, they, how their relationship sat. But she gives this little word of encouragement. And out of this moment of encouragement, Mary feels a rush of the Holy Spirit. And what comes out of her mouth next is called Mary's song. Or in Latin, does anybody know what the Latin, what it's called? Anybody? Magnificat. The Magnificat. Yeah. It's, it's, it's from the Latin, my soul, glor- my soul magnifies the Lord, the Magnificat of Mary. And so 
uh, Latin lessons later. That's fine. Yep, we'll get back to that. But my soul glorifies, my soul magnifies, my soul praises the Lord. And so Mary, suddenly she's in, this ranks, in the ranks of these, uh, of these women that God has used to burst out in great song. You go all the way back to Miriam the prophet in Exodus 15 after God's people were rescued from Egypt. Or Hannah, the mother of Samuel in 1 Samuel 2 when, uh, when she was found pregnant with Samuel. And now you've got Mary of Nazareth, sweet Sweet Mary of, of Nazareth, joining those ranks. And Mary said, my soul glorifies the Lord. And my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. My soul glorifies. My soul uh, praises, as, as Carol read in her, in her version. My soul magnifies, magnifies. The Greek here is megaluno. It's, it's, it makes it big. My soul makes much of God. My soul expands my scope of who God is. My soul sees that God is big, bigger than I. My soul expands the view. It sees. It sees. It's caught up in seeing. Oh, that's pretty big. Bigger than me. Bigger than I thought. And bigger than the situation that I'm in right now. God is on the move, big. Now, for all that Mary had to worry about, right? And she had stuff. We've all got stuff. Mary had stuff. I mean, we can make a list for her, right, of stuff to worry about, of what's going to happen next, what's the next step for your life, how's this going to play out for you. For all that she could have on her list, as long as her arm, that she'd have to be worried about, Her soul sees something. Her soul sees that God is at work, that God is involved, that God is present. Verse 48. I want to look through some of what she says, some of what she sees. For he, God, has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. What does that mean? It means God saw me. He saw me. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. And you know, she's not talking about her own personal qualities. She's talking about what God is doing. God is on the move in her life, in that moment, in the present, to change not just her life, not just her future, but the future of all humanity. And she starts to see how big this is, how big it is. And because it's so big, she's just exploding. Verse 49, and now this is, our, this is our key verse. Actually, church, I want us to say this together. Here in the house and, and you at home, I want us to say this verse together. I want you to hear it on your own lips. Verse 49, for the mighty one has done great things for me, holy is his name. Can you hear that on your own lips? What has God done for you? He's done great things. Holy is his name. So big is this moment, that so big is this realization that God is doing something, that it causes Mary to erupt in song. It's singing. It's singing that she breaks into. It's lyrical. It's poetic. It's emotive. It's a song. Why do we sing? Why do we sing? You know, a few years ago I wrote a book and I had this whole chapter on why we sing. And that has been coming back to me this year as we have not been able to sing. The church is not able to sing. You know, we can't sing the way that we want. Well, what is singing? Is that important? Does it matter that we can't sing the way that the church needs to sing? It does matter. 
It does matter. We're thirsty for it. You know, we're hungry for it. Singing is, is a big deal. It's not just some superficial sort of side element. It's, it's a big deal. You know, singing is not, um, to quote a friend that you might know, just like talking except longer and louder and you move your voice up and down. Does anybody know who that is? Buddy the Elf, yep. Sorry, buddy. That's, that's close, but it's more than that. Singing is something that's happening in your heart, in your soul, as it expands and sees all that God is doing. And when the church gathers, we encourage one another in that song. We're unified in singing as a church. And you know what else? God is pleased by your singing. He's pleased to hear the song. The scriptures tell us that. He's pleased to hear his people singing to the glory of his name. So why do we sing? Man, it's so hard to sing with a mask on, isn't it? And, and you know what? It's hard to sing when you're at home and you can hear your own voice. You know, nothing stops you faster. <laughs> but God is glorified in your singing. He loves your singing. He loves your singing. Church, if I can encourage you in one, keep singing. Amen. Amen. Don't stop singing. Keep singing. Let the song of the Lord rest in your heart and sing when you can and keep singing, church, until we get back in the house together one day, masks off, shoulder to shoulder, screaming, I mean singing with all of our heart to the glory of the Lord. Amen? Amen. It's coming. It's coming. Amen. I'm glad you feel that with me. Yep. Gotta sing. Gotta sing. So it's a song. It's a song. It's a song. And God is up to something. And so Mary, she's going to sing the song about what what God is up to. Okay, God is here and God is doing something. What's God going to do? Well, Mary is a good, faithful child of God. She says, what's God going to do? I'm going to look at what he did. And all of a sudden, her song leans, leans back. What has God done in the past? How did God move in, in other times? What, God, what did God do before? You see? She looks to the past, and she doesn't look to the worst of her own personal past, right? The way that sometimes we get trapped in our cynicism, and all we can see is is the bad stuff that happened to me. She looks way beyond that. She looks all the way back in the scriptures, you know, all the way back in the faithfulness of God, generation and generation and generation behind her. She wants to know the character of God as, as God is, is, has moved through all this past time and is now at work in her life in the present to change her future. She wants to know the character of a God who's been disclosed in the past. Because God is faithful. Here's what she starts to sing. Verse 50. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. See, God has been faithful over the generations. You know what? Every generation thinks that they're the last ones to follow Jesus. Do you know this? There's always this temptation. Oh, I don't think the next generation's getting it, you know? I think the faith might end with us. I mean, they're just not following Jesus. And then, and then Jesus, he faithfully moves into the next generation, the next generation. He's never failed to do it. His mercy is for all generations. He's already moving ahead of us. In verse 51, he has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud, who are proud in their inmost thoughts. In a world where people succeed and thrive on a false 
external showiness. People seem to get ahead on egotistically centered platforming, right? God isn't interested in that stuff. He sees right through to the heart. He sees right through to the heart. Verse 52, he has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. Listen, it isn't that that God hates rulers or power or wealth. What this is saying is, you know, because that's not consistent with Scripture. What this is saying, the point is that God moves into every single life. And all the different systems and patterns and, and all the things that you think that we think have got everything locked down and set forever in life, and that can never change. God can turn these systems over with a nudge. And no one is beyond the intervening grace and love and mercy of God. No matter who you are, no matter how stuck you think you are, no matter how how strong the forces that feel like they're oppressing you and limiting your future, God holds your future, and God can intervene in any place at any time. So the starving sit down to a feast when the callous-hearted wealthy walk away hungry. The proud lose their seat of power, and the humble rise by his hand and to his glory. Mary says, if God's up to something, well, that's the character of God. She goes on. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abram and his descendants forever, just as he promised. He has helped his servant Israel by what? Remembering. You know, there's nothing so painful as as the moments when we question if God has remembered. Where we doubt if God sees us. Where we question if, um, if we've been forgotten. Remember. When Mary uses that word, friends, she's using that word... We, we don't get an ounce of the meaning of that word in our language as, as it meant to her, to remember the Lord. Remembering, it's not just mental recall. It's not like, yeah, I went to King Supers and then I, 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 and then I was on my way home and I remembered we needed butter, right? So I turned around and got, that, that's mental recall, great. Remembering in scripture is a way of life. I remember the faithfulness of God. God remembers us in our pain and in our suffering and in our frailties. I remember what God has done, and so I have hope and confidence in what God will do in the future. We remember who God is, and we rest on his promises. Based on the knowledge of the character of God that we've received in the past, we remember, we remember, we actually put that together in a way that we can stand on it, and it gives us a step to take into the future hope. Remembering, God remembered. God showed up, sings Mary. He didn't forget us. He has has helped just as he promised. And now within her, the promise is fulfilled. The promise is is the Jesus that she carries. When you look at her song, you get uh, get all tangled up in the senses, through the tenses, I mean, through through Mary's song. Is 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 it in present tense? Is it in past tense? Is it in in future tense? Yes. 
It's all of those, and they're all jumbled up, all jumbled up together. Listen, to speak and remember what God has done is to proclaim and trust what God will do, for God is faithful, and Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And also the thing is, when you study this, this song, what you realize is, with God, what is promised is so certain that you can rest on it as though it's already happened. You know, and, that's, and Mary's in one of these moments, right? She's in one of these spiritual moments where her convictions are sure. I mean, she, she's feeling the Spirit right there. She's feeling the Lord with her, and she is so His. She says, I'm just so yours. I'm so in your hand. I so believe. I so trust. I so submit everything to your life, everything into your hands. She's in one of these great moments of faith where it's all just right in front of her, and she can just taste it. She can believe it. And in all that conviction, the presence of the Lord, where she says, let it be unto me according to your word. I don't have to have my way. I'm, my life is in your hands, Lord. And she feels the presence of God by the Spirit, then she can say with conviction that what God is going to do, I put it in past tense because God's promises are so certain, they're so sure. You know, we're not always in that place. Sometimes it fades away and we need that encouragement. We need something to help us along. But Mary's in this moment of conviction where she can say what God has promised. It's so certain to pass that even though it has not come yet, I put it in the past tense. God has redeemed my life. He has saved my life. All of my mistakes, he has, he has redeemed them. I've been reconciled to God. God has moved in my life in such a way that my life matters. It makes a difference for everybody. It makes a difference for, for the world. God has, has, has moved in my life. I'm nobody, and he's making me into something for his purposes of glory. God has already done it. And her friends could come in and say, Mary, you know, you got a lot on your plate, girl. You know? I think you're jumping ahead a little bit. You've got, you've got a child to carry. You've got a marriage you've got to put together. You've got a world that's after you, that's pushing against you. And Mary says, no, 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 no. I see it already. God is so at work in my life. His promises are so sure. He's already done it. Even though it hasn't happened yet. Mary's song. Oh, she gave herself over to the Lord in such a, such a full way. She remains a testimony and, and a model, you know, a faithfulness for us to follow. Let it be unto me. See, you might think sometimes that submitting to God's purposes in your life makes your life small and narrow and limited. The opposite is true. You enter the narrow gate into the broad fullness of life. Jesus said once, enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction. Many enter through it, but small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life and only a few find it. God does things in our lives that we don't expect. Mary could easily have felt that her life was was cut off, limited, narrowed. But she stepped through it. And she's open, you know, she's open to what God's doing. And what we love about this passage is that she's not only open to what God's doing and what she's experiencing, but she's open to telling us what it's doing to her soul. Because we would think, oh, Mary, your soul must be crushed. Your life is getting so limited. All of your choices seem to have been taken away. 
But Mary says, my soul magnifies the Lord. Yeah, she almost steps out of herself, doesn't she? She's like, look at this. Look what my soul's doing. My soul magnifies the Lord. My soul is expanding because my soul sees that God is God and I'm his child, that he's got purposes and I belong to him and I'm in his hand and I can trust in his hand. He's been so good in the past. He's gonna be good in the future and I trust and I've got my my trust and my faith are set in him and now my soul expands. Mary is not getting smaller in life. She's getting larger. She can embrace more of the world, more of the people around her, more of her own life because she has passed through the narrow gate and entered in to the wide spaces. She can say with the psalmist, Psalm 118, when hard pressed, I cried to the Lord and he brought me into a spacious place. The narrow gate, the way of life, it's Jesus himself, the way and the truth and the life. So do you feel forgotten by God? Or do you worry that you might have forgotten God? That you've forgotten who God is in your life, chasing all these little things that we race after, that we want to grab a hold of to comfort our own soul, to make the day kind of more fun. All this stuff that we think is so worth going after that we forget. We forget Jesus and your Jesus gets too small. Look, to magnify the Lord is to make the Lord bigger in your scope. And there's two ways to magnify things. Either you pick up a lens or you get up close to it. So pick up a lens. I I encourage you to use this as a lens, this scripture, this song. Use it as a lens to focus in on who God is, the character of God, on who Jesus is. And see if Jesus doesn't grow a little larger in your sight. You either pick up a lens of scripture or you get up close to something. Get up close to Jesus. Worship, pray, open the scriptures, get around believing friends who might be able to offer you a word of encouragement or you might be able to offer them a simple word that opens up a new landscape. Get around believing friends. Get close to Jesus. Ask the Lord to draw you close. Say, Lord, draw me so close to you. Draw me so close to you again that my my chin is again up up against the wall and I can see how big and how beautiful you are. God is involved. God is at work in the world, in nations, in kings, in economies, in movements. God is at work. He's doing things, and he's at work in your life. You're not forgotten. You're not set aside or left behind. God is at work in your life. There's something happening tomorrow that's pretty cool. Um, it's called the, they're calling it the Christmas star or the Bethlehem light. Have you heard about this? Because if you have not heard about it, then you're not reading my emails on Tuesdays. <laughs> but here's what's going on. <laughs> here's what's going on. There's a Christmas star tomorrow night. It's not really a star, right? 
It's two planets, Jupiter and Saturn, and in their, in their pattern of orbit, they're, they're, they're coming so close together that their lights are going to conjoin and make this enormously bright light in the sky. They call it the Christmas star. The last time it happened with this much clarity was in March of 1226, like 800 years ago. And some people think that's the kind of thing that happened that, uh, that got the Magi up out of their chairs in Persia to go look for a new king in the east. But we get it. We get it this year. On December 21st, the longest night of the year 2020, we get a little star. We get a little Christmas star. A gift. Say, Tim, you're a, you're a fool. You know, planets, they swing around, they do their thing, they go where they're going to go, when they're going to go there. It's all just math, you know? It's all physics. They're just swinging around there. You're a fool. Maybe. Maybe God's doing something in your life. And, and if, you don't, if you don't ask the Lord to give you eyes to see, if you don't ask the Lord to give you ears to hear, it might just swing by and you'll miss it. But if you, would, if you would open your heart just a little bit, if you would open your heart just a crack, maybe God is showing you something in your life that you haven't seen before. If you open your heart to a little bit of the wonder. You know, because the truth of it is a star, a cloud, a sunrise, a sunset, a breeze, a moment, a bird. Friends, all of life is a gift that God is handing before you when you open your heart to receive it with wonder. Habakkuk said, Habakkuk 1.5, Look among the nations and see wonder. And be astounded, for I'm doing a work in your days that you would not believe if told. Lord, we thank you that you're always at work. And we ask that you would help us to set aside anything that shrinks our life and leaves us dry and brittle. Lord, help us to to capture a hint of the wonder of you being at work in the world, at work in our lives. Help us to lift our head again walk into the miraculous gift of your coming to be one with us. It's bigger than I thought. Open our hearts with wonder. In Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, once again, thanks for listening. If you live in the Colorado Springs area, we would love to meet you on a Sunday morning. To plan your visit, head to our website at firstprescos.org That's F-I-R-S-T P-R-E-S-C-O-S dot org.